we're in a new year. And somebody recently said, don't be claiming 2022. We don't even know what's going to happen next. You know, Look at what happened in 2021 and 2020. And it's like, part of me says, okay, yeah, I get that. But I'm not going to fear this year. In fact, I think we need to be more positive than anybody else. We need to recognize, as this little video that I just played, it said, remember the promises of God. They're all yes and amen in Christ. But you and I have to know what they are in order to stand on them, right? We have to be able to repeat them on occasion. So get your Bibles out this year. Young people and old alike. There isn't a person in here, well, I've been through the Bible a couple times. Big deal. Go through it again. What does God want to say to you that's in those written pages? And sometimes that's the only place that you can get healing. That's the only place you can get strength. That's the only place you can get encouragement. Because as I look around this world, there isn't a whole lot of good stuff going on. But the church is different. We represent heaven. And in heaven, there, there are no tears. Nobody's going to be backbiting or gossiping. Nobody's going to be crying. Oh, they hurt my feelings. That's all going to be behind us. But we get to start that life on this side of heaven. As that scripture said, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we are a new person. The old man is no more. Right? So this year, focus on what God's going to do in his church. Because I think it's going to be a victorious year. I wanted to start with tonight. Um, we're beginning our prayer time, our prayer and fasting and I, there's not a lot of emphasis that goes into the fasting because nobody likes it. So usually I just say it's prayer week. <laughs> who wants to fast? Who wants to cut something out of their diet? Oh, come on. You're going to get spiritual on me? Laura said, Who's, who wants more of God? Do you have to do that? Do you have to fast to get more of God? I think it's in the Bible somewhere that talks about that. I know Jesus did a bit of that. Yeah, he did. Of course, he went 40 days. I don't recommend anybody try that one. But even three days. You go three days without, and, and don't do it unless you're, because some of you folks, you're on so many different medicines that if you tried that, it would kill you. Don't do that if that's you. You've got to ask your doctor. Uh, Lord, you know, can I do this, whatever, or cut something out. That's usually what I tell people. You know, a big one is TV. Some of you folks would curl up in a ball and shiver the whole week. I need my TV. What do I do with all this extra time? Pray. Huh? Plan your meals for next week. I don't know. So tonight we're going to start. And 
as I understand it, uh, we're going to go into some kind of a, a worship time tonight as well, and then just let the Lord lead us. But I know uh, Rosemary has something she's going to share with us. We're talking about the names of God this week. Each day will be a different name, and uh, we'll hear a little bit about that. So I'm looking forward to tonight and what the Lord has laid on Rosemary's heart. So come on back tonight at 6 and every night this week through Friday. And uh, I think it's going to make a difference. The mission of Jesus was not hidden. Jesus said that I bring the kingdom. He represented God. He was bringing in, ushering in the kingdom of God. And as a result of that, he said, repent. Turn back to your loving Father. Some think that Jesus only came to die for our sins. And of course, John 3.16 is kind of the capstone of that. But that's not the only reason that Jesus came. He came to die for our sins, yes. But what else did he do? According to the verse that we just saw in the video, he came to bring us life. Life. And not just an itty-bitty little piece of life, but life in abundance. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The, the message says in the latter part of that verse, it says, I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. This is what your 2022 should look like. What does that God-filled life look like? How do we lock into it? How do we live that kind of life? To experience this full life that I'm talking about, that Jesus was talking about, one must go on a journey of discovery. You know, there's something that God put in us that I think too often we kind of just push it aside, and that is curiosity. Now, curiosity can get you in trouble, right? If, if you look in the wrong places, it can get you in trouble, right? But if you look in the right places, it can lead you to a loving Father who wants to bless you with a full life through His Son, Jesus. And not only that, but He gave all of us, each and every one of us, His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to guide us into all truth. Hello? To counsel us, to direct our steps. And when I hear somebody is struggling in life, my first thought is, is the Holy Spirit leading you? Or are you leading yourself? You want a full life? You need to go on a quest of discovery. Some call it becoming a disciple. A follower of Jesus, a, a student of the Master. Where can we learn? Who can we learn from? 
but Jesus. That's why he came in the flesh. To show us the way. Hello? Come on, don't be quiet this morning. I need you to be upbeat. All right? If what I'm saying is truth, I need you to start getting excited about it. Whatever you call it, God expects his people to be about his business. Jesus said this over and over and over. I am here and I am doing my father's business. That's what was most important to him. There are no substitutes for doing the business of the kingdom. None. Now we can do other things. And I think sometimes it's okay. It's okay, it's okay to go on vacation. It's okay to go to Florida. Some of you were thinking, I wish I was there right now. Me too. Especially this morning. Man, I stuck my foot out the door and I went, whoa! It was 11 when I came in on my, on my truck thermometer. I don't know what the chill index was. We live in northern Michigan. Yay! But for the sake of defining this idea... Today I want to call it being a disciple. You know, we talked about students, we talked about followers, but I want to call it what it is, being a disciple. Say disciple with me. And I want to give you a definition that I recently learned uh, from one of the books that I've been studying. And The book is called The Starfish in the Spirit. And uh, it's really an interesting book, but how many have ever heard of the KC Underground? It sounds like a rock band, but. The Casey Underground is a church movement in Kansas City, uh, and basically they have this motto. This is what their definition is of a disciple, and I want to put it up behind me. A disciple is a person who was apprenticed to Jesus in the fully alive life. I love that. It almost sounds like the message. Experiencing habit-fueled, ongoing transformation in character, and calling while moving deeper into community and multiplying disciples. Let that sink in just for a moment here. To be a disciple of God, to live that fully alive life, this is what it means. You know, God is not in the business of seeing us stay where we're at. Many of us we're full-blown sinners, as, as the Apostle Paul often said. I am the chief of sinners. He even attached the word murderer to his portfolio. He was a part of murder. Chief of sinners. But look what God did. He began a work in Paul as he transformed him from the inside out. And every single person that comes to Jesus should see this transformation take place. If you're not seeing it, something is missing. And you need to get back on your knees and back on your faces before the Lord and back in your Bibles to discover what is it that I'm not doing because you need to be changing for the good. If you're still doing the stupid, sinful things that you did 10 years ago, something's not right. Is it okay that I talk to you like this? 
So what this says to me, this definition, is, is that a disciple will do the things Jesus did, including developing good habits. You know, this last two days, I watched my children and grandchildren and myself a little bit eat a lot of sugar. <laughs> Cookies and candy, and pies, and cakes. Ah, I think about it right now. No wonder we go on a fast. It's good timing. But if we did that every single day, what would we be? We would be dead. Your body can't take that over and over and over. So we need to, to, to form a habit of good eating. Now look at this in a spiritual sense. If you don't have the discipline and habits of going to God every day, praying every day, studying His Word, reading devotions every day, you're not going to be healthy. Your spirit needs to be fed. This, this little 45 minutes... Sunday morning ain't enough. Forgive my poor English. It ain't enough. You're going to die. If you don't form good habits, that's what the Holy Spirit is here for. He's here to help us to learn how to live a full life. And that requires good habits. You still with me? And those good habits lead to inner transformation. And here's the thing. You and I can't do that. We can't transform ourselves. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. The Holy Spirit's the one that starts to transform us. In the old days, we used to call this being sanctified. Hey, brother, you sanctified? Brother Clarence, you sanctified? Of course, the right answer is, Yes. It means that you lay your life down every single day and you let the Holy Spirit give you a spanking when you need it. It means that you listen to that voice. And listen, folks, most of the time God doesn't yell at you. He speaks in a soft voice and those who understand what I'm saying, say amen. amen. It's a soft voice that we need to be in tune with or you're not going to hear it. If all you've got going in your life is all the, the scuttle and the bottle, those aren't even words, but whatever, of the world, you're, the hustle and the bustle, whatever, I don't know what, but you, you get what I'm saying. If that's all the noise going on around you, you're never going to hear the voice of God. You've got to find a place where you can get quiet with the Lord. And for some of you who have kids, this isn't easy. I experienced that. You try putting a message together when there's 15 people in your house. It was not easy. I admit, I ended up coming up here yesterday. I had to. And by the way, if you feel something special today, it's because I went around and I prayed over every seat in here. And I'm not going to tell you what I prayed. Because I know where some of you guys sit. But I was, I think, led of the Spirit. 
as I anointed the seats in here. But where I was going with that is we have got to spend time. Jesus spent time in the garden. That was his favorite place to go. Where he could get quiet with the Lord and begin to hear his voice getting downloaded into his heart. And if Jesus needed it, how much more do we need it? Right? Can I get a good amen? Amen. Besides being transformed with the help of the Holy Spirit, we also begin to discover what God has called us to do. You know, every person, whether online or in this audience, has a sweet spot. Meaning that there's something that you were called to do that will not only charge up your engines or charge up your batteries, but you'll be passionate about it. You'll, you will enjoy it. And I believe that this is a big part of that full life that Jesus was talking about. You know, we've got to find that place. What, what has God made me to do? You are all a masterpiece. And you may look at yourself and go, you call this a masterpiece? Well, don't look at the outside shell. You know, this thing's going to go away someday, this body. But the spirit that's inside of you is who I'm talking about. There's something that you need to do that you're intended to do, that God made you to do. And if you figure that out, you are going to be blessed beyond measure. And that full life that we started with in John 10.10, that's going to be yours. But you've got to figure out what God has made you to do. What are, what are you supposed to do to positively influence this world? When you think of that, if every one of us left this world positively influencing it, what would that do? If the whole church got, got on board with this idea, what would that do? I think our world would be different. And I do think, listen to me, I do think to some degree we're already doing that. But I don't think we're doing it enough. You know, as I look at our community, as I look at the state of Michigan, the U.S., I don't think we're doing it enough. Because if we were, I believe things would be different. To be a true disciple of Jesus brings with it a certain amount of work. Even trials and tribulations, TNT. Right? Sometimes your life might seem explosive. But here's the thing God gives us His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who gives us the power, the dunamis power to overcome. So when the TNT comes at you, what do you do? You fight TNT with the dunamis power. That's the word that we get dynamite from. The enemy will not succeed. And listen to this. If the devil is not fighting you, then you might be in his camp, not God's. 
Just saying. <laughs> the shoe fits. A big part of having this full life as a disciple of Jesus is having the willingness to give everything you have to the Master. And I'm not just talking about material wealth here. That's part of it, but nothing can be more affectionate to you than your relationship with Him. No resource, no, your house, your car, your boat, your, your dog, your cat, your cow, your horse, whatever. Nothing can be higher than where God is in your life. As His disciple, you've got to make sure that you give Him everything so that everything is below that relationship with Him. And then He can do something in your life. But if anything's out of order, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit's going to give you a spanking. He's going to keep bringing it up until you lay that thing down, whatever it is. For some, this is where they say, nope, too much for me. I, I, I don't want to do that. But I'm just saying, if you want the full life that God has for you, you must be willing to give it all. One of the scriptures that I want to throw out here is Luke 9, 23 and 24. Then he said to them, if anyone would come after me, notice that verb, come after. You're going after God. The Lord is a gentleman most of the time. The Lord is a gentleman and most of the time he won't pummel you. He'll keep coming after you. He'll keep speaking to you. He'll keep saying, June, you're in the front row, sorry. June, really? Again? Haven't we had this talk before? I know you've heard that voice. Not my voice. <laughs> but that's what the Lord does, is He keeps bringing us back to those places so that we'll work on whatever it is that we're supposed to get out of our life. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily. Say that with me. Daily. Daily. Say it again. Why do I have you do that? Repetition sticks. You need to come to Jesus daily. This is not a suggestion. And follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. Is that clear? Is it, do I need to expand on that? Or are you, you get it. What is the cross? Die to self. What is it though? What, 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 give me a, a just an example modern day of what the cross might be. Okay, I, I hear the adjectives, but specific. What would you do to carry your cross today? There you go. Turn the other cheek, I think, is in the Bible somewhere. We love that one. No, you guys, you know, you want to pummel them. Somebody gets snarky with you, your wife. <laughs> Come on, woman. I'm not speaking to Pastor Barr, by the way. I'm 
just you. It could be anybody. Now, we don't like turning the other cheek. What's another one? Quick. What? So you're saying line up and, and, and accept those that God puts in authority over you? Oh, man. We really don't like that one, especially when we get into politics. Thank you. It's a good one. And that might mean, and I think it goes on to say, not just pray for them, but bless them. Do good for them. Oh, yeah, we love doing that. Yeah, yeah. We, we love blessing our, our enemies. Ooh, yeah. That's what it means, partially anyway, to pick up your cross and follow him. The disciple of Jesus must be willing to give it all for the kingdom of God and his glorious purpose. You are here for purpose. And it's not your purpose, it's his purpose. However, and, and this is the right side of the butt. I could have said but. If the person is selfish with what God has given them, they will never be able to experience that full life that Jesus talks about in John 10.10. 10. If you're unwilling to give yourself away out of your plenty, sometimes sacrificially, then you'll never experience the abundance that God will pour back into your life. One of my favorite verses is Luke 6.38. Give it, it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over it will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I remember doing a, a message on this probably a year or two ago now. And I started out with a little thimble. And that little thimble is some of us. That's what we give away. But the idea is, how much is God going to give back to you if, if you're using a little thimble? A little thimble back. So then I, I kept working my way up, and I, I think I ended with a five-gallon bucket or a wheelbarrow. I don't remember, but the idea is the more that you give away, the more that God is going to pour back into your life. And what he pours back in is going to be good stuff. You're going to need it, and it's going to help you to grow. The measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why all the emphasis today on discipling? Because just before Jesus finished his work on earth and ascended to heaven, he gave his disciples this very clear mandate found at the end of Matthew 28. Jesus came and he told his disciples, I have been given all, everybody say all, all authority. In heaven and where? Hmm. What does that say about Jesus? He is the supreme. Is that tonight's word? He is the supreme being. <laughs> Jesus. Supreme authority. That means nobody's above him. All right? 
So everybody needs to be shaken if they're not already. You step into the presence of God Almighty, you are going to know it. And your knees are going to be doing what the scarecrow did on the Wizard of Oz. I just saw a little bit of that. I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. I love that old movie. Just before Jesus finished this work, his work, he gave us this command. Then he said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. And that word can be translated people. Go. And make disciples of all people. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The triune God, the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands. Say it, say it with me. All the commands. Not, not just the ones that you like. all the commands that I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. Nothing's going to change with him. He is supreme God. He loves us. And he wants us to spend eternity with him in heaven. And to be a part of his plan... He asks us, he challenges us, he says, come, follow me. Come, pick up your cross and follow me. The mandate or commission, as many call it, is for us to make disciples who will then make more disciples. How many know God is in the business of multiplying? If you start at the beginning of Genesis, what do you see? The wonders grow. You know, somebody tried talking about the stars the other day, and they were just, they had to stop because there are so many, we couldn't name them. It would take millions of years for us to name the stars, and those are the ones we can see. We don't know what's beyond. We serve an amazing and an awesome God. And He is in the business of multiplying. Jesus started with three. Intimately, He was with uh, Peter, John, and James. Those were His three. And then He had the twelve. And then He grew from there. And He sent out 72. And later, we, we, are, we read about... 500 disciples. And on that first day of Pentecost, how many said yes to Jesus? 3,000! Wow. That's a lot of believers. That's God's multiplication factor. He pours into us and then he wants us to pour into others. That goes back to that Luke 6.38. He pours into us. I'm going to say it again. And then we're expected to pour into others. He pours into us. And then we are expected to pour into others. Are we doing that? Or are we doing this? 
I, I don't want to give up what he already gave me. Look, you're never... You, you know what you've got if you don't let it go? A stagnant pool. That's pool, P-O-O-L. I don't know where the pool will go. Judy, that was for you. She's from Tennessee. Pool. I don't know, she's watching, she's going to make... She's going to be mad at me now. We have to give it out. We have to give it away. That's the life cycle that we see throughout the New Testament. The disciples of Jesus will always look and act like Jesus. As a disciple, you will do what Jesus did. You'll pick up your cross and you'll follow him. And you'll become a disciple, a learner, a student of the master. And what did Jesus do? And it just simply, he loved God and he loved people. What are the two greatest commands? Which summarize all of the commands, by the way. Love God. Say it with me. Love God. Love people. That's what a disciple does. Love God, love people. Now it would be safe to conclude from the scripture that Jesus' mission was to give people life. According to the Bible, people receive a full life when they're introduced to the giver of life, the forgiver of their sins, Jesus. That should be our goal. How many have received that blessing, the ultimate blessing, new life? Raise your hand. All right. The giver of life. What a, what a beautiful thing. Giver of life, Jesus. What we have, what we've been freely given, we need to freely give away. That love, that joy, that peace, the patience, that faithfulness, use it and give it to people that need it. They need to see the Jesus in you. That's what people are hurting for today. They're desperate for it. Somebody to represent good, not evil. Somebody that looks like the Nazarene who was born in Bethlehem. <laughs> Bible says he wasn't even good looking. In fact, he was kind of homely. We always see pictures of Jesus and they make him look like a Hollywood star. But it says, nah, you, you wouldn't even recognize him. He wasn't that good looking. It, it's not like you go, oh, look at that dude. People need to hear our story. What Jesus has done in our lives. And the Lord wants us to make disciples. Go. Hello, go and make disciples. Say it, go. G-O, go. go.
Here's where Matthew 28, 19, and 20 comes alive. You, you and I, as seasoned disciples of God, if I can call us that, we help people. We help people to come to know Jesus in their pre-conversion state once they're born again and then after. We, we mentor these people. We, we lift them up. We pray with them. We guide them as the Holy Spirit leads, of course. You don't want to enable people. You want them to lean on the Holy Spirit. But we're there to help these young disciples. And listen, a disciple doesn't happen after being born again. How many know that the Holy Spirit went after you before you said yes to Jesus? I think we've got this thing backwards a little bit where, where we think, well, you've got to be born again. You know what? Being a disciple starts way before that because that curiosity thing I talked about earlier, we are curious about who God is. We just don't understand Him yet. And sometimes people stumble into this church or other churches like this and, and they really don't have a clue. But they feel like something's there that they don't have and that curiosity will bring them back at least two or three times. And, you know, it, it's what this church does with those two or three times that can make a huge difference. It's what we do out in the community. Listen, if somebody is hungry for more of God and they work around a Christian who's living for Satan and not the Lord, what do you think that does? I know you've heard the word hypocrite. When people see a God-fearing man or woman backbiting somebody at work, who do they think of? The church. Well, why would I want to go to that place? They're no better than I am. And that's why you and I have to be so careful because we're in the discipling process everywhere. Everybody around us is being discipled in one way, shape, or form. God is drawing them. God is wooing them. The Holy Spirit saying, come, my child. I've got more for you. I have full life. I have abundant life. But you need to come to me. And He uses us to reach out to the lost. He, he uses us to reach the unchurched. He uses us to bring hope even to the atheists. So claiming anyway. God has a plan for us. A plan to prosper us and not to harm us. A plan to give us a hope and a future. I've heard from so many people that have come to some of the church events, you know, I really had fun. They said it in a surprising way. Like, I can't believe it. I had fun. You know? It doesn't surprise us because we do this all the time, but that's what people are looking for today. They need to see a community that loves God and loves each other. And I hope that's what 2020 is going to bring. But more than that, and this is where I was going with this. I believe this is what the Lord is asking of you and me. Every person needs 
a mature disciple of Jesus to walk with them and to help explain who Jesus is to us and what it means to have faith in him. The name of this church, Hope Church, this is what came to me a few weeks back. And I believe that this is kind of our banner for the new year. Helping others prepare for eternity. You know what it means to be in the Father's business? God wants to use you and me. God is willing to use us. And this sacred position to disciple others. People's eternal lives are at stake. And he wants to use us. How many are fallible? Meaning, <laughs> you make mistakes, right? And yet, God wants to use us to reach his children all over the world. Ah, I had more. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we, we just end here, Lord, with a prayer. Help us to help others to prepare for eternity. Just knowing that you want to use us, Lord, that you want to shape us and mold us and use us to your glory. What an honor, what a privilege it is to serve you, to be your disciple. Would everybody stand with me? What does the Lord want to do with his church in 2022? I believe a big part is to accomplish the Great Commission. Every person has something different to give and to do. And it requires that we all pick up our cross and follow after Jesus. Who's our mentor? Jesus. If you want to look like him, you've got to learn about him. You have to get your scriptures out, your Bibles, and read about him and pray that God will illuminate what it is he wants to do in your life. Does it work? Yep. You're going to face TNT? Yep. Trials and tribulations? Yep. But do we have the dunamis? Yes, we do. If you have the Holy Spirit, you've got the dunamis. 
or is that Acts 1-8? Father, we again are humbled to be called by you to be called into the business of the King. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, Lord, in Gaylord, Michigan, in Michigan, in the United States of America, across this globe. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, Lord. And may this church, the people of the hope, Lord, may we help others prepare for eternity. May we accept this challenge this year, pick up our crosses and follow you and do whatever it takes to mentor these new disciples, Lord, to help people, and not to judge. Lord, how often do we judge somebody even before the, we expect them to come in here all cleaned up? Already. Lord, it's, it's work to bring in a baby Christian. Because sometimes they're dirty. They stink. And we have to be willing, Lord, to get dirty ourselves and not to be so stupid judgmental and I use that word intentionally because you're stupid if you're judgmental why because scripture says with the judgment that you use you're gonna be judged and you better be careful Lord help us to accept these new believers (laughs) and to lead them to you that we would be Jesus, as I like to put it, with skin on. Hmm. And that we would continue our own learning and never get to a place where we think we've arrived. Lord, I pray a special blessing over this church this year that you would show favor on our people. Lord, that you would multiply the giftings in this church, in this community of believers, that people would recognize their place. Lord, they, they wouldn't be able to ignore it. It'd be so clear, front and center, that they would know what they're called to do. And as they step into that role, whatever they're called to do, Lord, I pray that they would just start seeing things pop all around them, Lord, as you move in and through them. And as they give it away, that you'd multiply it back to them in Jesus' mighty name. And Lord, that this church would explode, not necessarily in numbers, but in healthy people making disciples, Lord, who will eventually make more disciples. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing here at The Hope. Drive this point home with us this week. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Now I want to ask before we go on, if, if there's anybody here, heads bowed, if you're here today and you say, you know what, I, I just need a fresh start this year. I don't think I've been living for Jesus, but I, I know this is the second day in in 2022, and I just want to commit my life to Him and make sure that I'm on the right path the rest of this year. You know, if you're at home, uh, just lift your hand up. I know it's just a faith announcement. Just lift your hand up. Yeah, hands going up all over. Thank you. Put them down. I just want to pray with you. And listen, make this a... This is your confession today. This isn't necessarily mine. You confess this. I'm, I'm just going to repeat you in the prayer with the prayer. You follow me. But make this your confession to the Lord. 
This is a new year, a new beginning. What better place to just stop and and go, I want to do better this year. I want my life to be stronger this year. I want to make disciples. Pray this with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for calling me into the family business. Today, I confess my vulnerabilities. I am a sinner. I fall short of God's standard. But today, I confess my sins, known and unknown. And I pray, Lord, that you would take me, all that I have, all that I am, and use it to your glory. Help me, Lord, to be a disciple who makes disciples. Help me, Lord, to help others prepare for eternal life. Today, I pick up my cross and I begin to follow you. All that I am, all that I have, I give to you. You are my master. I love you. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you meant that, let me tell you what. God will respect an earnest prayer. Now as we go out of here today, you better not go out, woe is me. Man, you got eternal life. You're, you're, one of, you're one of the king's kids. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a king's kid. Hallelujah. Now go out there and encourage somebody before you leave. You know, for you folks that run out of here, this is what church is about. Go up to somebody and say, hey, my name is. And introduce yourself, because I know there's people in here you haven't met. So God bless you. Have a great week. Come back for prayer. Six o'clock tonight.